Welcome to Kevin Connor's podcast. This 24-part series on interpreting the book of Revelation was given at Tungling Bible College in Singapore back in 2002. Be sure to get a copy of the textbook by the same title, available from Amazon in your region in paperback and ebook formats, or as an immediate PDF download from the shop at kevinconnor.org. Overview of the seven churches and plenty of practical messages in each of those. As you can see. Okay, let's go to number five, Sardis now. And so, uh, Sardis, and then your passage, your scripture passage, is Revelation chapter 3 and verses 1 to 6. So, Revelation 3, verses 1 to 6. And then, of course, number 3 is uh, repetition, the angel, write to the messenger. So, so, when it keeps repeating, we've got to keep that in mind. Write to the angelos, to the messenger. All right, the meaning of the name, several meanings here. I'll just pick out uh, two or three, and this is, uh, uh, as we see, local and prophetic. Okay, several meanings of the name, uh, Sardis means, uh, the first one is remnant. So the remnant. So remnant theology, we might say, God has always preserved a faithful remnant to himself. All through church history, there's always a remnant. When Elijah was about... uh, uh, feeling a bit suicidal and said, I'm the only one that's left. God said, look, I've got 7,000 uh, remnant, you know, reserved, reserves that have not bowed the knee to bear. You're not the only pebble on the beach. Uh, that's a bit of Australian, but uh, that's what God's really saying. So remnant. Uh, and then also another meaning of the name is escaping ones. Those that escape, escaping ones. So there would be always a faithful remnant right through the church history and through the dark ages and the middle uh, middle ages, the uh, church's Babylon captivity as Martin Luther referred to it, escaping ones. And then on the positive side also uh, would be uh, another definition is a, pre- a precious stone. So Sardis, a precious stone. So remnant, escaping ones, and a precious stone. Several meanings of that name. So remnant, escaping ones, a precious stone. All right, number five, Christ's title is judge. And you'll notice that uh, how each title taken from Revelation chapter one is applicable to the condition of each church. All right, the title here is he that has the seven spirits and the seven stars. So the seven spirits in Ephesus, he has the seven stars and the seven lampstands. And here Paul is repeated, he has the seven spirits, uh, not that there's seven Holy Spirits, one Holy Spirit, but here the perfections of the Holy Spirit's uh, power, like the spirit of wisdom, the spirit of might, spirit of understanding, sevenfold spirit from Isaiah chapter 11, 1 and 4. So seven spirits and the seven stars, so seven spirits, perfection of the spirit's operations, and the seven stars he holds them in his hands. Number six, same again, I know your works. So every church accountable for its works, every individual accountable for its works, for our works. All right, the commendation or praise. All right, commendation is you have a few names that have not defiled their garments. So commendation, a few names, a few persons, a few names that have not defiled their garments. And they shall walk with me, for they are worthy. So worthy walk, undefiled garments. We'll see that 
uh, what, what that speaks of at the moment. So a few names, undefiled garments, and uh, they will walk with me for they are worthy. So walking worthily, undefiled garments. You fill in there. And then number A, condemnation or, comp or, uh, or complaint. Uh, the complaint is you have a name that you live, but you're dead. Wow, I wouldn't like to belong to the church. So I say, oh, child, it's such a good church. It's a real live church. But Jesus says you have a name that you're alive church, but really you're dead. You're devoid of spiritual life. So you look to be a live church. And I think of some of the churches that I go through and so forth. So, oh, this is a lively church. Yeah, there's a church on fire. There's a lively church. But it's dead. It's devoid of spiritual life because they're not connected to him. Who, who's, so, so the condemnation is a name that lives, but you're dead. Let me connect it with number seven. In the Old Testament, if anybody touched a dead bone or a dead body, they automatically became ceremonially defiled. So here there are some Christians in this dead church who have not become defiled by death. Though the church has a name that lives, but it's death because they've maintained their contact with him who is the resurrection and the life. That's the connection. All right, admonition. So a name that lives but is dead. Uh, number nine, the admonition, admonition. Several things here. Be watchful. Strengthen the remaining things. So watchfulness. Strengthen the remaining things that are ready to die. So if you can condense that. Watchfulness. Strengthen the remaining things. So though every, you're not totally, totally dead. There's still a few things that are not dead in the church yet. But strengthen the remaining things. And here's the second coming, a uh, second reference to the second coming to this church. If you don't watch, I'll come on you as a thief in the night. So watching for his coming as a thief in the night. I'd like to catch everybody on this. How many are looking for Jesus to come as a thief in the night? Hands up. If you're watching, sorry, I caught you. Thank you. If you're watching for Jesus to come as a thief in the night, you're in darkness. <laughs> wow. Thank you for letting me catch you. You've given me such a sense of fulfillment. Remember <laughs> years ago, I used to do a lot of street meeting, uh, street work, and play the piano, coin preach, and I would say to people, if we're not here next Sunday night, Jesus coming as a thief in the night, and if we're not on the street next Sunday, you know Jesus comes as a thief in the night, and the Antichrist is here, and he's going to stand six, 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 all over you. <laughs> so we wouldn't turn up the next Sunday. <laughs> Neither did Jesus, and that's 60 years ago. <laughs> However, yeah, that's a long time. Uh, but just for those who did let me catch you, turn over to uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, so we don't leave anything unqualified here. And we qualify the qualified. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Because I taught for years that Jesus would come as a thief in the night, but he will come as a thief in the night, but I'm not looking for him to come as a thief in the night. Alright, 1 Thessalonians 5, just for those who let me catch it. Verse 1. But concerning the times and the seasons, brethren and sisters, you have no need that I should write to you, for you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes the thief in the night. Well, don't stop there. Go to verse 4. But, everybody say, but. But you, brethren and sisters, are not in darkness that that day should overtake you as a thief. So, if you're looking for Jesus comes a thief in the night, you're in darkness. But, 
He says, you're not in darkness that that nation overtake you as a thief. So I am not looking for Jesus to come as a thief of the night. Amen? Amen. Thank you again for that underwhelming response. <laughs> Alright, so, but to this church, he says, if you don't watch, I will come on you as a thief in the night, and you won't know. So he will come to some Christians as a thief in the night, because they're not watching. Okay? But he says, watch. Everybody clear on that? How many of you who put your hand up have learned something? <laughs> you think, oh, I've had a lot to unlearn and to relearn. Okay, uh, the, the complaint in this church. Now, number 10, the enemy without within. What's the enemy within? No enemies without, apparently, here. Enemy within is spiritual deadness. You're just dead. You've got, your na you've got a name that you're a live church, but you're dead. Spiritual deadness. The hymns are dead, the choruses are dead, the musicians are dead, the preaching's dead, the congregation's dead, their amens are dead. Their offerings are dead. In fact, they're all dead, they just won't lie down. <laughs> Great church to be in. Okay, number 11. How many think there'd be a call to repent here? And what would you have to repent of? Just deadness. Thank you, Kevin. That's a very good point. All right, so call to repentance. Number 12, warning. Coming is a thief, and they will not know the hour. So Jesus will come as a thief in the night to the unwatching world, but there's some who spiritually belong to the church of Sardis throughout the world, and Jesus will come to them as believers. Okay, this is not to the unbelievers in this case. This is to a church. So there are sadest churches throughout the world who are not watching the file by death, have a name that they live, but they're dead. And they will not know the hour. Alright, so you fill in there is coming as a thief, not know the hour. Alright, number 13, the promise of the overcomer. And you see it all connects through with defiled garments, promises to the overcomers, those who overcome spiritual deadness, they were walking white. So white garments, that's why I like a white shirt. Not these ones with blue stripes and red stripes in them. But walk with me in white as my overcomer symbol here. <laughs> and this one here, bless me the tie that binds. <laughs> that used to be a hymn, didn't it? My shirt, unto my neck. <laughs> Didn't you ever sing that here? No. I, I, I'm from the dark age. So. Right, but I'm still alive. I'll see that. Right, so walking white, and then uh, confess, confession of name. I will confess his name before the Father and the angels. Wow, what a promise. So walking in white, name confessed before the Father and the angels. Hi, Father, this is Kevin John Connor. Angels, Gabriel, Michael, and all your other angels there, whatever your names are, this is Kevin John Connor from the late planet Earth. Hi, how are you doing there? Thanks, Father. Wow, what an honor. Not just for me, but for overcomers. And then, uh, all right, so you should have had there, walking white, name confessed before the Father of the angels, and uh, one other part you should, if you can squeeze it in. I will not blot his name out of the book of life. Now, if you turn to secure and your name can't be blotted out of the book of life, this is a sort of a meaningless phrase. 
isn't it? So he says, I won't blot his name out in the book of life. Now I know some of you are in the book of strife, but this is the book of life. There is a difference. All right, so you should have had there, walk in white, name confessed before the Father and the angels, and the, uh, your name in the book of life, not blotted out. All right, number 14, again, the same uh, words there as previously. Hear the Spirit, he that has an ear, hear, hear, hear what the Spirit says. Okay, that's 14. All right, moving on. Not too fast? Okay, Philadelphia. All right, number six. Six golden lampstand as Jesus is trimming the wicks, cutting out the burnt out areas and supplying holy oil. Philadelphia. Revelation chapter 3, the scripture. Revelation 3, verse 7 to 13. Revelation 3, 7 to 13. And then uh, again, repeat the messenger to the angel, to the gongolos of the church of Philadelphia. To tell the truth, this is the church I would like to belong to. I don't feel I'd like to belong to Smyrna. No problem against that because you get martyred. <laughs> I'd like to belong to the church of Philadelphia where there's no fault against it. Okay. All right, Philadelphia, messenger uh, number four. The meaning of Philadelphia is more familiar. Love of a brother or brotherly love. Okay, love of a brother or brotherly love. Wow. As you sort of get the big picture here, Ephesus has left its first love. But here is a church, brotherly love. And it involves the sisters, but it's a church in its first love in contrast to Ephesus. All right, so love of brother, brotherly love. Christ's title is judge. All right, the title is from Revelation chapter 1, from that vision, he that is holy, true, has the key of David. So he that is holy, he that is true, so holy, true, you can condense it there, has the key of David, and uh, he says he opens and shuts doors. So that's the title of, of the judge. Jesus judge, holy, true, key of David, with the key of David, opens and shuts doors. You say, I've got the key of David, opens door, I open doors and no one can shut them, I shut doors, no one can uh, open them. So, holy, true, key of David, open and shuts doors. Works again, number six, same, uh, same, same word, I know your works. So, can't overemphasize that point. Every church and every individual, we are judged by our works, not only who we are, but what we do. And we don't do works to gain salvation. We do works because we have salvation. We're not trying to earn it, earn anything. All right, commendation or praise. All right, great commendation for this church. You've kept the word of my patience. So kept word of patience. Not denied his name. So the word and the name, they're the things that you pick up there. Kept the word of patience and you've not denied his name. So the word and the name. And it links up with Pergamos because they hold fast the faith and the name. Okay, so kept word of patience, not denied name. And one other little thought there, a little strength. You have a little strength. So not a big, strong church, but a little strength there. Okay, condemnation or complaint, none. Now you'll notice the two churches that have no fault recorded against them, Smyrna, and Philadelphia, the persecuted church and the loving church. And you might like to make a note of this scene. Of the seven parables in the, of the kingdom in Matthew 13, five of them have evil mixture in them, good and evil. 
Of the seven churches in Revelation, five of them are called to repent. Of the seven parables in Matthew 13, only two have nothing evil in them. The parable of the pearl and the parable of the treasure in the field. All other five, wheat and tares, good birds, dirty birds, uh, leaven and meal, uh, good and bad fish in the same gospel net. Mixture, five, same here. Five churches called to repent, mixture. Two churches, no fault. Two parables, no fault. Same picture. You really would think the Bible's inspired. Okay, so uh, so no condemnation, uh, condemnation or complaint. Number nine, all right, what's the admonition, the exhortation? Hold fast what you have got. Or hold fast what you have. Hold fast what you've got so that no one takes your crown. So exhortation, admonition. Hold fast what you've got. Hold it fast. Don't let anybody take your crown. And third reference to the coming. Behold, I come quickly. So as you study this, and I hope you know, the sheet I've given you will help you on the big picture. Uh, in in High Clarity, he says, hold fast what you have. Philadelphia says, hold fast what you have. Thyatira says, till I come. First mention of coming. Sardis, I'll come as a thief. And now Philadelphia, I come quickly. So there's a progression in those admonitions. Hold fast till I come. Uh, I'll come as a thief. You know what? And I come quickly. So just a progression. Okay, so what you should have had there is hold fast what you have. Don't let anybody take your crown and he comes quickly. All right, now, enemies without and within, number 10. Wow, you think this was inspired. It connects up with Smyrna. The only two churches that are not called to repent and have no fault recorded against them, they are the two churches, the suffering church and the, and the brotherly, uh, loving church, the Jews of the synagogue of Satan. So in Smyrna, Jews of the synagogue of Satan, and in Philadelphia, Jews of the synagogue of Satan. Enemies without. It's the same thing. So God must have something in mind why he picked out these seven local churches. So Jews of the synagogue of Satan, Jews of the synagogue of Satan. Okay, number 11, call to repent. None. Again, compare it with Smyrna. No call to repent there, and no call to repent here. Church in brotherly love. No call to repent. Alright, number 12. Uh, warning, none. So note, note the three nuns. N-O-N-E. Okay. <laughs> Just for the tape recorder. Alright. Uh, uh, there's no condemnation or complaint. And there's no call to repent here. And there's no warning. So three... N-O-N-E. Everybody say none. Okay, just to make sure. For those who have the tapeworms, they'd like to feed their tapeworms. Okay, number 13, the overcomer promise. Alright, tremendous promise here. Wow, it's a big promise, very big promise. I'll try and condense it in. Pillars in the temple of God. So to him that overcomes, pillar in the temple of God. And you'll notice the emphasis in this one is on the name. I'll sort of quote it and then you'll have to condense it. So I'll write upon him my father's name and I'll write upon him a new name. Uh, so the father's name, my name, the name of the city of my God and a new name. So maybe just put the name, 
father's name, the, the bridal name, the city, the new Jerusalem, and a new name. So pillars in the temple of God. And the custom was back there that when uh, many of the Roman Caesars would dedicate a pillar in uh, some of the pagan temples, they would put somebody's name on it, Caesar's name or Caesar's ghost's name or somebody's name. And uh, they're familiar with that language. So a pillar, not a cater pillar. There are pillars in the church that you cater to. Caterpillar for some of those looking. <laughs> Getting near lunchtime, okay. Alright, so pillars in the temple of God with the name on, Father's name, the bride's name, and the new name. And also, one other thing if you can squeeze in, kept from the hour of trial. Kept from the hour of trial. Now you'll notice in the progression here, one church, if you don't repent, you're going to go through great tribulation. I'll put you into bad tribulation. Another church, you don't repent of your deadness, I'll come on you as a thief in the night. This church, I'll keep you from the hour of trial that's going to try the whole world. Ultimately, I believe, pointing to the great tribulation. And then number 14, exactly the same. He that hasn't here, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Yes, so though to individual church, it's also to the church. Yes. All right, number seven. All right, number seven, Laodicea. Number two, your reference, Revelation chapter 3 and verses 14 to 22. So Revelation 3, verses 14 to 22. Alright, number three, exactly the same. So your messenger, the Angelos, again. Alright, number four, the church name interpreter. Now this is very interesting, Laodicea. I'll give you several of the names I've got here. It means um, mass rule. Mass rule or mob rule, the rule of the mob. So mass rule, mob rule. And then uh, this next one is also interesting, the rule of the people. So mass rule, mob rule, the rule of the people. And then one other, one other meaning that's interesting here is the people's rights. Uh, in other words, it's demonocracy. Uh, democracies. <laughs> well, not much difference between democracy and demonocracy, is there? It's just a demon. Okay. Thank you. Some of you will get there about one o'clock this morning. Some of you are just a little bit slow here. You haven't picked up on the Australian humour. Now, let me say this quickly here. You see, as you look at the seven churches, it's degenerated from apostolic rule, Ephesus, to Thyatira ruled by a woman, and now it's ended up with democratic rule of the people. So that's what happens when a church declines. So democratic rule. No senior minister or bureaucracy. So we move from autocracy, Pentecostal popes, <laughs> and Pentecostal dictators. I mean, one man in Australia said to me, I am, a, I am a benevolent dictator. I said, you're just a dictator. You're a Nebuchadnezzar. Whom you would you steal? Who you would you keep alive? And no one you keep alive. Sad part is he ended up in immorality in a tragic situation. Yeah, no checks and balances. So, yeah, just degenerated. So we're living a democratic... And uh, I've studied church history quite a bit and see where they move from apostolic rule 
from autocracy to bureaucracy to demonocracy, democracy, rule of the people, high and fire. I used to belong to a democratic church once, and every year I'd be up for grabs. The board, and I was very bored with the board, um, the board would put me up and they'd have a vote whether they hire or fire me for the next year. Well, where's that in the Bible? That's in the perverted version. The reverse version, I mean. Some of you are still a bit slow. Okay, let's get back to our teaching. That, that must have been for somebody here. Anybody? Without pointing in any direction. All right. Rule of the church, so mob rule, mass rule, mob rule, rule of people, the people's rights. Okay, Christ's title is judge, and again, from basically from chapter 1, with a little addition here. So he's called the Amen, the faithful and true witness. So the Amen, the faithful and true witness, and the beginning of the creation of God. How many know you're going to have to enlarge your chart later on? Remember for your final exam, you've got to remember all this <laughs> when you stand before the Lord. <laughs> I can just see all the sweat I'll be very simple because I still want you to love me at the end of this week. Okay, so title is judged, the Amen, the faithful and true witness and the beginning of the creation of God. Alright, number six is exactly the same. I know your works. So, repeat that truth. Every church accountable for its works. And then, commendation or praise. Zilch. Zero. Nothing. None. Okay, so none. Nothing. Wow. Nothing to commend in this church. I mean, I would not like to be there. Where are you going to see this Sunday morning? I'm going to the church of the first day of the Sands. On uh, Street Boulevard. Mm. What sort of a church is it? Nothing. It's just neither one thing or the other. Nothing to commend. Wow. I don't want to belong to Lay of the Sea, but we are living in the Lay of the Sea and age of the church. I think all these uh, conditions are consummated today. So there's church, people who belong to Ephesus and Smyrna and Lay of the Sea and Philadelphia and Thyatira and so forth. This sevenfold condition. Is with us today. That's what we've got to be overcomers for. This is the practical thing where the rubber meets the road. I want to be an overcomer. I don't want to leave my first love. I don't want to be martyred. <laughs> Just talk about it makes my neck feel like Okay. Right. I don't want to I don't want to be involved in false doctrine, immorality, idolatry. I don't want to be dead. I want to be alive even at 75 years of age. I'm 75 years of age. I don't look 75, do I? Did you hear that? 85 or something. I mean, puke that line. Back to the Bible. Okay. Right. But how many get the message? This is where this I don't want to be laying the scene, neither one thing or the other. Okay. Uh, number eight here condemnation or complaint. Lukewarm. Neither hot nor cold. So lukewarm. 
And you know, when you go into the history of these things, we find that uh, uh, up in Colossae and Hierapolis, these cities where the water was hot and they had conduits that would flow all the uh, way from Colossae and Hierapolis, water would come down in conduits to Laodicea, and by the time it got there, it was lukewarm. And doctors used to use lukewarm water to make people vomit. Make them sick if they had some ailment. And that's what Jesus is saying. You're neither hot nor cold, you're neither one thing or the other. You're making me sick. And this is loving Jesus. This is not Kevin John Connor. This is loving Jesus. You're making me so sick. You, 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 I want to I perk. I want to vomit. I want to spew, nice word, spew you out of my mouth. Whoop! <laughs> I understand you. I mean, this is Jesus, not me. Well, how many think that's terrible when the Lord has to write to a church like that? Wow. So lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, and also, if you can squeeze in, rich and self-satisfied, have need of nothing. What do you need in Laodicea? Don't need anything. We're rich, we increase with goods. We're a great church. Have need of nothing. Wow, just blindness. That's terrible. <laughs> so lukewarm. And that is, that is the worst condition to overcome. Where Christians are neither one thing or the other, they're neither in nor out, they're not worldly, they're not holy, just mediocrity. Medio mediocre. I don't want to be in that middle. Amen? And you can say amen with me. Amen. Alright, we've got to have an older call in a moment. Okay. Alright, all you lukewarm ones. Okay, not here. Okay, number nine, admonition. So the admonition is by gold. Isar and white raiment. So gold, Isar, white raiment. And everything that he tells them to buy is to deal with their spiritual condition. So they say they're rich. In contrast to Smyrna, which was a poor, rich church, this is a rich, poor church. So he says, look, if you really want to be rich, get gold from me. Isar is for their blindness. And see, in Laodicea, they had this uh, ointment that the doctors would use for eye problems. So eyes are blindness. So, like the blind man who was sent to the pool of sight, anoint your eyes with eyes are, and get your eyes open to your condition, spiritual blindness, spiritual poverty. White raiment, and in that city, they have this black woolen raiment. He says, buy white raiment, clothe your nakedness. So all their condition, Christ has the answer for and uh, this is so often said to sinners, he stands at the door and knock. He's talking to the church. He's outside the church and they're singing songs so loud inside they can't hear Jesus knock. <laughs> wow, what a church. All right, back again. Now, I know I went too fast there. So you fill in there is gold, I star, I star, white raiment. Everybody got that in your little block there? Ask your question. Yes. Gold. Thank you. Answer me. And that's to cover their wretchedness, their poverty and nakedness. Okay. Alright. Enemies without and within. Just put the word spiritual. And I've got uh, a couple of things here. Spiritual blindness. You say you see but you're blind. Spiritual blindness. Nakedness or spiritual nakedness. I'll give you some clothing for your nakedness. And spiritual nausea. You're making me sick. So three words you should have there. Blindness, nakedness, nausea. 
And then one other thing, or two other words you can put there, self-deception and self-sufficiency. Self-deception, I have need of nothing. Self-sufficiency. That's the worst condition that a church can get into. Alright, so spiritual blindness, nakedness, and nausea, self-deception, self-sufficiency. Okay, everybody up with me so far? Has your hands anybody's pen smoking? We have fire extinguishers on the first floor. Okay, number 11, call to repent. Absolutely, you need to repent of your condition. So repentance. Then number, number 12, the warning. Worst warning here. I will spew you out of my mouth. You are making me sick. Jesus writing to a Pentecostal church. You are making me sick. You know, some of the modern translations, they try to soften this. The word spew, everybody knows what the word spew means? Okay. Some of the modern translations try to soften and say, uh, I will get rid of you. That is so nice, English. I like the old English. I will spew you out of my... Anybody ever spewed here? Thank you. The promise to the overcomer, the greatest promise. Of all the promises, this is the highest. Because it leads us into Revelation chapter 4. Later on. He that overcomes will sit with me in my Father's throne, as I overcome and uh, am sitting in the Father's throne. So the greatest promise, sitting with Jesus in the Father's throne. The highest promise of them all. Sitting with Jesus in the Father's throne. And then number 14, exactly the same as before, hearing what the Spirit says to the church. Alright, so overcoming, sitting in the Father's throne, and then hearing what the Spirit says. Alright, now, <coughs> did everybody feel comfortable? I mean, am I communicating? I want to, you know, make sure we're covering yes. a lot of material, but I want to make sure we're coming along with you, okay? Everybody yes. right? Now, for our last few moments before we take a break here. Yes. Why don't you just get on a separate sheet of paper or whatever, and I'd like you to put down, uh, let's see here. Just sort of summarizing something very important that's uh, in this message. Because each of the churches says, he that overcomes, he that overcomes. And having an ear to hear what the Spirit is saying to the churches. So I want you to look at something with me that's very significant. And I'll just have to give you references. We haven't got time to go through it. But uh, I trust that you'll do this between now and the millennium. <laughs> Except for those who are already in the millennium. <laughs> If you think this is a thousand years rest, you could fool me. Right, now, I want you to put down here, and note this, now this is a theme that uh, I've done through the Word, and we want to just draw your attention, without going to the Scriptures, what the prophets say, and then I want you to go through something, just very briefly, what the Gospels say, and then I want to finish up on what we've been looking at in the book of Revelation, what it says. Now, we're particularly picking up this thought, he that has an ear, he that overcomes, to him that overcomes, he that has an ear, to hear what the Spirit is saying in the churches, that's what we're picking up, this whole thing. Now, in Isaiah chapter 6, and I may not put all the scriptures here, but Isaiah chapter 6, we have the first allusion 
to this expression, uh, they have ears but they hear not. They have eyes but they do not see. They have a heart but they do not uh, understand. So the Lord is lamenting through the prophet Isaiah, go to this people. But they, they worship me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. They have ears, but they hear not. They have eyes, they see not. They have a heart, but they do not understand. So that's Isaiah's lament. All right, number two. The second prophet who picks this up is Jeremiah chapter 5 and verse 21. And Jeremiah says that they have eyes to see, but they don't see. They have ears to understand, but they're not listening. So Isaiah laments this condition. Jeremiah laments this condition. Number three, the third Old Testament prophet is Ezekiel. And in Ezekiel chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, Ezekiel laments this condition because God said to him, I want you to go to this people. But he said, I'm sending you to a stiff-necked people because that's the, that's the root problem, stiff-necked. And he said, I'm sending you to a stiff-necked people and they have eyes to see, they don't see, they have ears to hear, but they don't listen. So, Three of the major prophets, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, all lament this condition. Now I want you to turn over to this one. Amos chapter 8. And let's uh, put down this. Amos chapter 8, uh, verses 11 to 13. And let's uh, pick up something from uh, uh, Amos here. So Amos chapter 8. Amos chapter 8 and uh, page 1142. And uh, if you, yes, Isaiah, okay. Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 8. And if you haven't circled the word, I'd encourage you to do that because uh, we, we, we won't really appreciate what's in Revelation without what's gone before. Okay, so Amos chapter 8 and just because uh, of times, uh, we'll go to verse 9. Amos 8 verse 9. And shall come to pass in that day, says the Lord God, that I will cause the sun to go down at noon, and I will darken the earth in the clear day. And this happened when Jesus died on the cross. Sun went down at noon. The earth was darkened. And I will turn your feasts into mourning. And they were having the feast of Passover when Jesus died on the cross. He who was the true Passover. And all your songs into lamentation. And I will bring up sackcloth upon all loins and baldness upon every head. And I'll make it as the morning of an only son. We're safe to say an only begotten son. And the end thereof is a bitter day. So that day when Jesus was crucified was a bitter day. Morning for the only begotten son. Now, verse 11. Behold the days come, says the Lord, that I will send a famine in the land. Not a famine of bread, nor a thirst for water. But if you haven't circled it, I'll, let's read what it doesn't say. But of the words of the Lord. No, not a famine of the words of the Lord but a famine of hearing the words of the Lord. So the scarcity is not in the word. The scarcity is in the hearing. Now, this is what the prophets, so Isaiah, three major prophets, Isaiah, Jeremiah, and Ezekiel, all lament this. I wish we had time to spend you know, a whole hour on this. But they all lament that they have eyes, but they don't see, they have ears, they don't hear. And, uh, and, and, the, and Ezekiel says, because they are stiff-necked and uh, stubborn of heart. That, it's a heart condition. And a neck condition. They need to go to a spiritual chiropractor and get their neck twisted there. Okay. And so the scarcity is not in the word. There's never been so much word. And I think it's true that the problem is in the hearing the word. 
And see, this is what Jesus picks up, having an ear to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Now, I want you to go to the central column because Jesus now takes up this expression and I want you to notice something very significant. This, uh, Jesus uses this expression, I think it's about 14 times, and he says, having ears to hear. So in Matthew 13, which we've already alluded to, uh, on the parables he says, he that has ears to hear, let him hear. And at least seven times in the gospel, Jesus talks about having ears to hear, ears to hear. Um, yeah. And then, uh, just put down, this will be the simplest way to handle this, put down Matthew chapter 13, this is what Jesus says, and then put down Acts chapter, uh, this is in Acts now, but Acts 28, and verse 25 to 27, because Paul and, uh, both Jesus and Paul, both go back to Isaiah chapter 6, and this is the most quoted verse, or verses, in the New Testament of the prophet Isaiah. Ears to hear, eyes to see, and so forth. And then also Romans chapter 11 and verse uh, 8 where Paul quotes it. So Jesus and Paul both quoting from Isaiah on this condition. Now, I want you to note when we go to the uh, book of Revelation here, let's turn over now to Revelation chapter 2. Everybody doing okay? Yeah. Just, I, I do that because I, I just want to make sure you're coming along with me and that uh, I'm bridging the communication gap here and you're with me and uh, we're, we're moving together. Okay, Revelation chapter 2 and verse 7. Revelation 2 and verse 7. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Alright, now, there's some very important things here. Put down Revelation chapter 2 verse 11, also. Revelation 2 verse 11, to the next church. Uh, he that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Uh, uh, put down Revelation 2.17. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Revelation chapter 2 verse 29. Again, he that he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the church, churches. And then put down the three references in chapter 3. Chapter 3, verse 6. Chapter 3, verse 13. Chapter 3, verse 22. So chapter 3, verse 6. Chapter 3, verse uh, 13. And chapter 3, verse 22. Now, let's pick up what is said here. In Revelation chapters 2 and 3, chapters we've just been through, there's something very significant to pick up. First of all, there's three little phrases I want you to pick up here. Alright, here, he that hath an ear to hear, then he says, let him hear what the Spirit is saying. So the Spirit and to the churches. Now, just, just sort of concentrate with me before we take a break. In the Gospels, this expression is always in the plural. Jesus says ears. He that hath ears to hear. Always in the plural. But in the book of Revelation, where it's used seven times in these chapters here, 
The word ear is always in the singular, never ears. Why? Okay, that's what we want to answer before right here. Okay, so ears to hear, ears to hear. Then in the Gospels, Jesus, so number one, ears to hear, plural. And in the Gospels, number two, Jesus promises to send the Holy Spirit. When I go back to the Father after my death, burial, and resurrection, ascension, and glorification, I'll send the Spirit. When the Spirit comes, He's going to guide you in all truth, not by might, but nor by power, but by my Spirit. And then number three in the Gospels, Jesus says, I'm going to build my church, not churches. So in the Gospels, it's prophetic. Have ears to hear, I'm going to send the Spirit, and when the Spirit comes, I'm going to build my church. But now, in Revelation, he says, he that has an ear, not ears, but ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the church heirs. All right, now, let's answer that question. Why do you think it's ears in the Gospels and ear in the singular in the book of Revelation? All right, here's your answer. Because you see, in the Gospels, it's the Word who is speaking to them. The Word made flesh. The Word is with them. He's walking with them, talking with them. They can see him, touch him, handle him, talk, and everything like that. It's the Word made flesh. So having ears. But now, in Revelation, Book of Acts, we might say, the Word has gone back to the Father, and the Word has now sent the Holy Spirit. So it's going to take a finer and more sensitive listening to hear what the Spirit is saying. While the Word was with us, as Jesus was with us personally in the flesh, oh, Jesus is here. Oh, I love to hear His Word, His preaching, teaching, fantastic, His parables. I can see Him touching, but He's not here. Only by the Spirit. How many hear what I'm saying here? So it's going to take a more sensitive, finer tuning and listening of the heart and the Spirit to hear what the Spirit is saying. Not only that, Jesus did not... Now he's building church and now the head is in heaven. The Holy Spirit is saying, look. Have an ear to hear what the Spirit is saying. All right, now. So how many get the picture? Now, let's turn to one, one final scripture on this, then we'll take a break. I want you to turn to the final, the last mention of the Holy Spirit, uh, the last mention, pardon me, of this section having ears to hear. Turn over to Revelation chapter, chapter 13. Revelation chapter 13, and put it in a little block by itself because very significant, loaded with significance. This is the final mention. So what I've done, uh, not quite, but fully, but mention, 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 progressive mention, Progressive mention, final mention, final mention, listen to it. So in Revelation chapter 13 and verse 9, it says, If any man have, let's go back to verse uh, 8. All the dwellers on the earth shall worship him, that's the Antichrist, whose names are not written in the book of life uh, of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. If any man have an ear, let him hear. That's the last mention of having an ear to hear. Now, two things missing. What's missing? There is no mention, please note, no mention of the Spirit and no mention of the church. 
in this period of time. Because in this period of time, we have three and a half years great tribulation. Well, it's loaded with significance. Sometimes the silences of God speak louder than the words. And that does. So, the prophets lament that. Jesus picks it up that the famine is not in the word. The scarcity is in the hearing. And I, I believe we're living in a generation there's never been so much word. But how many people are really, really hearing? That's the issue. Be sure to visit kevinconnor.org for more information about Kevin, his books and his ministry.